0: But I want you to try to catch hold today of what the Scripture has said about unforgiveness and how to deal with it and then what the promise is when you do deal with it. And I think the message will be clear and I hope it will be applicable to all of us in some way and to certain ones in a very personal and powerful way Because of some specific thing that you quickly think of when you think about unforgiveness in your own life. Before I do it, to set it up, it's interesting, I opened a letter last night that came from a man that helped years ago get the gospel open in one of our penitentiaries. We have a our radio program is called The Sound of Freedom. That's a good title for those in prison. This man has been sentenced to a lifetime in prison. And God has come into his heart and radically changed him. He's like Paul. Now he's in prison, so he's become somewhat of a missionary in the sense of how God changed this tough man's life and how he, he, he just can't wait to Sunday morning to listen to our services. And I'm sure he'll be listening today to this sermon. Not today will he hear it. He will hear it in a few days. To- weeks but I want you to read what he sent me I did just an excerpt out of it he blessed me so I want to bless you with it can I do that it'll fit into the sermon I promise you just listen to this this words it's kind of a prayer may you have enough happiness to make you sweet talking about life may you have enough happiness to make you sweet enough trials in life to make you strong enough sorrow in life to keep you humble and enough hope to make you happy the happiest of people don't necessarily have the best of everything they just make the most of everything that comes their way the brightest future will always be based on a forgotten past you can't go forward in life until you let go of your past failures and heartaches and bitterness when you were born you were crying and everyone around you was smiling Think about that. You ever been to the, to the, the baby ward at the, nursery, at the hospital? Listen to that again. When you were born, you were crying, everybody else around you was smiling. Live your life so at the end, you're the one that's, that is smiling and everyone else is crying that you're gone. That's pretty powerful when you think about it. Now, how does any of that kind of stuff happen? How do you go through a transition like that? Let me tell you what it is when you learn how to deal with some of the basic heavy weights that Satan wants to dump on every one of us. Forgiveness is one of them. Do you remember what Jesus did on the cross when the Roman army persecuted him to the point of execution? What did he pray? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He didn't say, Get them, Father. Send those 10,000 angels that you promised and wipe them off the planet. That's not what he prayed, was it? Father, forgive them. Now, he knew that three days later, he was coming out of a grave. And because he was coming out of that grave, he was going to have the power to pass on in the person of the Holy Spirit that will stay with us while he went back to heaven 40 days after that 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 holy spirit is right here in the heart of every believer including this young man who was baptized a while ago <laughs> god bless you for this wonderful support that you've got but this man has something that he asked for that you can ask for i asked for it god gave it to me Hundreds of people here have asked for it, and no one was rejected, didn't meet the qualifications or whatever. One day in our life, we were forgiven. And when we were forgiven, we were set free. We do not have to worry about how God is going to beat up on us for what we did because we've been washed in the blood. But until we understand in an unforgiving world how to have unforgiveness, We'll never, never, never be able to rejoice like God wants us to rejoice. Now listen to this story. This is probably one of the best-known stories in the Bible and the least preached on. In the 8th chapter of John, the 8th chapter of John, I want to read to you from verse 1. And this is when Jesus forgives the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. Okay, you remember the story, don't you? You haven't heard many sermons on it, though. But we're going to talk about it for a minute. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down, and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery and in in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, But what do you say this they said tempting him tempting Jesus that they might have to accuse him but Jesus stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not so when they continued asking him he lifted up himself and he said unto them he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stone at her and again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the older, even to the youngest. And Jesus was left alone, standing with the woman in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those that accuse you? Hath no man condemned thee? you? She said, No man, Lord. Now listen to the final words. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn you. You go, but sin no more. I'm setting you free. Your debt is paid. But don't get back into it. Don't get trapped again. Learn by your mistakes. Learn by the mistakes of others that are around you. I don't condemn you. What a powerful, powerful truth. This is one of the moments that we can kind of think together in an area that not one person can say, this is not relevant to me. This deals with every single one of us. So I just want to start off by getting you thinking in the back of your mind. Keep this question in your mind as I go through these next few moments. Is anything in this world that you could write down on a piece of paper that you love more than Jesus? That's the question. Is there anything in this world that you love more than Jesus? This story is a very embarrassing story to the players, the, the characters in this story. Let me ask you something. Have you, you ever got caught doing wrong? I didn't say you ever done wrong. I know the answer to that question. All right. The question is, have you ever been caught telling a lie? Have you ever been caught in a movie that you shouldn't have been at and thought nobody else that went to church because Christians don't go to movies like that. And then all of a sudden, six of them came in. And before you could get mad, they looked at you and then you started feeling guilty. You got caught. This woman got caught. It's a terrible feeling. All of us have probably, you know, growing up, look out, you know, and you treated your sister bad. Mama was looking out the window. It was going good. You had your story all made up when it was your brother. But Mama saw it or Daddy saw it. You know, once we're caught, then the pressure mounts up. And then when we get to that point of guilt and it moves into some kind of a conflict, which it always does, we learn, first of all, it's more fun to deal with other people's sins than it is with our sin. I don't know if y'all remember, it hadn't been that long ago. I don't think you have to be real old to remember this, but you remember the Cleese used to use syntax, syntax, You know, like cigarettes, tobacco, I mean, uh, alcohol. Remember, it's called sin tax. You got the political with the spiritual. They called it a sin You know, I remember I was all for that because there were none of my sins on the list. So I sure thought we ought to tax everybody else's sins. But see, I was a sinner too, and I am a sinner. But it's easier to get mad at the center, not realizing that your anger is just as big a sin as whatever sin you're angry about that you're fussing at them. kind of goes in a circle. When this woman was brought to Jesus, these guys brought her wanting her to be punished. This would have never happened. But Jesus wrote something on the ground that made all of a sudden a spiritual... Guys, to turn to another attitude. I've seen several stories of speculation about this story. Opinions that maybe Jesus wrote on the ground in the sand the names of two or three of those Pharisees that had had an affair with that woman. But they didn't catch her with him. They caught her with the other guy. See what I'm talking about? You see, this is the way it works, folks. We get out in this, this rat race world and we don't understand how important it is what we're talking about this morning because Jesus said to those guys, he that is without sin, cast the first stone. Those that, that have nothing to be forgiven of, then you can hold a grudge on somebody else. But if you need to be forgiven for something, if you want to be forgiven, you better become a forgiver. That's what he's telling me and that's what he's telling you. Do you understand what we're talking about here? It has nothing to do with what you believe up here. It has to do with what you do down here and as you give the word, the look, and the touch that is needed. Always so easy to be a judge of others. This is not Bible, but I've read this in several books that are written by those that are in the behavioral sciences. We have a tendency to criticize people of the things that we're guilty of ourselves. That's what they say. I can't prove that to be a fact, but if you're a liar, you think everybody else is a liar. You know, you pick the sin if you think you're doing it when everybody else is doing it. In fact, that begins to be kind of a a cheer. Everybody's doing it. Let's go do it because everybody's doing it. And you don't want to be left alone out here, do you? But guilt can cause strange behavior. We begin to... uh, have that feeling that's caused by our sin that we can't deal with can't sleep at night can't look at people in the eye you find yourself drifting away and all of a sudden the problems begin to build so let me make my points real quickly first of all if I'm going to be like Jesus I'm going to have to learn to forgive if you're going to be like Jesus you're going to have to learn to forgive To be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, to be like him. If that's going to happen, you're going to have to learn to be a forgiver. You're going to have to learn to turn the other cheek. I've been reading a book recently, and it makes a very clear point of the fact that there's a whole lot of difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament as to how people treated their enemies. How many times have you heard people say that all wars are caused by religious people? Just read the Bible. They were talking about all those wars in the Old Testament. But what happened in the New Testament? What happened when there was commandments? Turn the other cheek, love your neighbor as yourself. What happened? Well, Jesus came, and in a world that was failing with the sword, he turned it to the plowshare. Do unto others, you'd have others do unto you. And in all of that... There was only one thing you had to do to make the transition, and that is people have to learn to forgive and to love your enemies and to do good to those that hate you. That's a learning process because we don't come that way. And I'm here to tell you I can't do that in the flesh. But I also know that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. God has to help us. To reach out into areas where we're not comfortable because they're not one of us. The skin may be different color. The bank account may have a different amount. The geography may be different. There may be a thousand different things. But the point is you can't hate and be blessed by God. You have to love your enemies. You have to be able to deal with that. And it's so hard. Let me give you an interesting analogy from a pastor that's been at it more than a half a century. People will drop out of a church because of somebody in the church that did bad, and they, they said, you know, they, they're a deacon in the church, and I'm not going to that church, so they drop out. Two years later, the person that offended them drops out. Now you got nobody at church. See what I'm talking about? That That, that can happen. You know, you get mad at each other, and then all of a sudden, no, no nobody leaves. The offender and the offended, both gone. Well, what's the common denominator? How do you get all that together? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. God said, I'm sending my son to die on a cross. He's going to be buried, but three days later, he's coming out of that grave. He's only going to be there for 40 days. He's going to put the Holy Spirit out in the hearts of every one of his kids. You will know them by their fruits. They will look at others differently, and one thing that they will have in common will be behold how they love one another. That passage is in the context, love is forgiveness. You can't say, I love you, but I don't forgive you. If you love a person, you forgive the person. This is kind of heavy, isn't it? But it's biblical. Ephesians four thirty-two: Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Jesus died to pay my penalty in order that God the Father could forgive me of my sin. And that's true of every one of you that are believers. And then he says, now you go do likewise. You pass it on to the next person. Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13. Both of these passages are written by the Apostle Paul who had to forgive so many different situations. Here's what he says. Forbearing one another, forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. said it again same words forgive 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 I'm sorry I was wrong please forgive me this is what we're talking about here that is such a key to freedom if we can just move beyond that we must forgive to free us from our bitterness Hebrews twelve fourteen. follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. you get that? Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fall or fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby you may be defiled. That bitter seed can come into our life and destroy everything about us. We can enjoy anything. If somebody just shows up, it ruins our day. I've seen it over and over again, experienced it a couple of times, of going in a restaurant, sit down, and the waitress comes out, and you look over there, and right in the next table, if you would have known they were in that restaurant, you would not let You would never pull in the parking lot. <laughs> now you've already ordered your food, so you feel like you got to pay your bill. And that was the worst meal and the worst experience of your whole life, and the only reason was... Bitterness, unforgiveness. If I'd have known there, I wouldn't have gone there. You see how kind of, it's kind of silly, but it's sad. It's very, very sad. See, forgiveness keeps Satan from taking advantage of you. Whenever you can forgive somebody, Satan doesn't have any weapon against you. No weapon against you is going to prosper. It's the inheritance of the children of God. If the devil can't make you mad, you know, when you get mad, you don't think right. Do you ever notice that? Any of you ever do any boxing? You know, if you ever get in a fight, if you can make the other opponent mad, you whip them quick. Get the pitcher mad out there on the mound, he'll throw the ball all over the place. You know, get the people mad in any kind of sport, doesn't matter what he's doing, what happens is that bitterness and unforgiveness and anger lead to all kinds of messes that we get into, and we just hope that we survive. Well, obviously we have survived since we're here today to this point, but we need to get ready for the next one. Second Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. That's what Paul said to Corinth. He said, don't let Satan get a hold of you. We know how he works. We know how he works. He tempts. He bribes. He promises what he can't fulfill. He leads you into the situation, and then chaos comes. John 8, 36, if the son therefore shall make you free, you're free indeed. If the one that knows you and your heart has freed you, don't let another person put you in bondage. That's what he says. We're forgiven to avoid the need for further chastisement. That's another reason God forgives us. If the Lord can get me and you to any point in our life, if we're his children... If he can get us to the point that we ask forgiveness, when it's given to us, pass it on to others that have offended us, there's no reason for any more chastisement. The Lord wants to lead us to where we can be forgivers and set ourselves free and set that other person free. The Bible says, owe no man anything but to love one another. Don't owe them an apology. Have you ever heard that expression, you owe me apology? Don't think that way. They know they owe you apology. Let them deal with that with the Holy Spirit. But don't you wait for it. I'm not going I will not walk out of this room until you tell me you're sorry. Well, take your sleeping bag, you know? You've got to get to that point, folks, that you just automatically say, I don't even know what I'm doing except I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I know I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to call my psychiatrist. I'm not going to call my pastor. I'm not going to call the deacon. I'm not going to call my best friend. If God says it, that settles it. I am not going to be your slave anymore. I am going to rejoice with what God's doing in your life as I rejoice with what God's doing in my life. Wow, that is a major, major, major step. But now listen to this, and you'll really like this one, or at least I do. Luke six thirty seven says, Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Now let me tell you about every sin. Every sin we have is either punished or forgiven. We will either be punished for our sins or we'll be forgiven of our sins. If we are forgiven of our sins, there will be no punishment. It has been covered with the blood of Jesus. We've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We're white as snow. We're a new creature. We're born again. Old things have passed away. I could go on with those cliches for a long time, but every place in the Bible, that's what it says. You are a sinner you need to be forgiven. I made it possible because your sins got to be paid for I Sent my only son to die. He was crucified, but he didn't come back and wipe out the Roman Empire He called people to himself many of them were executed many of them became a victim of the gospel but as a result of that Every one of us that are free in Jesus Christ because of the blood of Christ, somebody shared that with us, and by God's grace, we've been forgiven of our sin, we've been born again, and we are free. We do not have to pay for our sin. Don't make the people that owe you something have to pay you in order for you to have friendship with them again. That's the teaching of the Scripture. God just wants us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says, rejoice. Very quickly, I'll not read the text of the last one, but, but I'll tell you the story in about two minutes. Matthew 18:21 is a story, if you'll remember, of Jesus forgiving the man that owed so much. And he said, I'm not going to condemn you. The man begged for forgiveness. He said, okay, I'm going to forgive you. And he did. But the man he forgave had a a man that owed him. And he went out and he asked the man that owed him just a little bit compared to what he owed the master, either you pay me or I'm going to punish you. The first master came back to the second one and said, I'm canceling my deal. If you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you i forgave you why can't you forgive them i forgave you of all your sins why can't you forgive them of one thing they did that was wrong in your mind or to your children or to your whatever and that is a powerful statement folks that is a that's an unbelievable thing for us to think how many times as i go back to the first sentence i gave you has anybody treated you wrong more times than you treated god wrong have more people upset you then you've upset God. I can happen to say, nope. No, 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 no. This, this story has so many personal teachings for me as I hope it has for you because nobody has ever treated me worse than I've treated Jesus. No one has ever overlooked me and my needs as much as I did. I, I, the Lord has treated me as I have treated the Lord Jesus, I want to be forgiven of that, but I want to forgive you because I'm forgiven. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's what I want us all to be able to say. This woman committed adultery, went out with other lovers, went after other things. She loved more things than the things of God and the ways of God. And here comes the Lord, and he says, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to set you free. Forgiveness becomes a reality when you inform the offender you're free. He told the lady, you go and sin no more. I don't, I forgive you totally and completely. Now you go, but don't do it again. I hope you don't have this statement or idea. I'll forgive you, but don't get in my way again. I'll forgive you for that. But I don't want to ever, ever do it. I'll never go hunting with you again. i never go fishing with you again. I'll never go out to eat with you again. You haven't forgiven anybody. Don't play a game. Don't do that. Just stop. And do what Jesus did and what this woman said. Now you go. I'm not going to condemn you. But stop what you're doing. Don't come back into the situation again. If I forgive you, if I say I forgive you and tell you that I never want to be close to you again, I have not forgiven you. So this might be a good prayer. Lord, put in me a heart of forgiveness so that I can commune with you. Remind me of my multitude of sins against you. When I sin against somebody else, remind me of how I treated you. Jesus came out of the grave not to destroy people, but to forgive people. You were born again to help people recover from the bondage that's on them. I challenge you to go there from here and do that. God lives today. Not to condemn us. We're condemned already. He's come to forgive us. And he clearly says this is the way it works. The Holy Spirit has come to live in us, to give us the wisdom, and to give us the strength to do it. You can't forgive in the flesh. I cannot forgive in the flesh. But I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If I will decrease and he will increase... And if some way people that come to our worship services, our Bible studies, our prayer meetings, our fellowships, our special programs, if they can simply see they are loved by unconditional forgiving father, if they would just confess their sins with a willingness to turn from their sin and walk with God, they will be forgiven and their sins will be remembered no more and they can walk in the victory instead of in the path of defeat and no weapon that's formed is going to prosper because they're God's kids. You know, folks, when God puts a smile on your face, a spring in your step, an excitement in your heart, you can't wait to get outside the door, not to get away from God, but to use the God to in you to touch a world that needs Jesus. Whether it's Houston or the othermost part of the world people are waiting to see Jesus in somebody's life and the number one number one number one evidence that God is in your life you can forgive not most of the time all the time Jesus didn't forgive some of the people he forgave all people that asked him for forgiveness You know what? Regardless of what's happened, the way that God chose to send his son to die, I'm convinced if it started over again this Friday and went through next Sunday, God the Father wouldn't change one thing. Jesus would pay the price. The blood would be spilled. The sacrifice would have been made, and people could be set free from any background, from any walk of life, from any financial, physical, emotional Situation, we can know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Maybe your stress that we talked about two weeks ago is because you haven't forgiven. Be like the lady. Go. Go. I don't condemn you. Now you go, and you do for others. Don't condemn the Pharisees. You just go and ask God to handle that.